You're listening to the Cloud Lounge Podcast, a show about business, technology, and all that jazz. Brought to you by Soft Landing, a leading IT service provider in Canada. Let's get started. Here's your host, Zeeshan Randawa. Welcome to Cloud Lounge. I'm your host, Zeeshan. A couple of weeks ago, I had the treat of being able to attend an in-person get-together hosted by us, Soft Landing, for clients and employees. At this event, I was able to meet new coworkers, some of whom I've been working closely with for the last two years, but that I had never met in person. So it was pretty interesting, pretty fun. Even though the office has been open for a few months now, something we at Soft Landing uh, are learning, just like many of you out there, is that hybrid work is really here to stay. It's very tough to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Now, it's not all roses and sunshine, as you may have heard in the news about the alleged 18-year-old that was able to hack Uber. This hacker was able to get full access to the corporate network, including production systems of Uber. And apparently, how the hacker was able to pull this off was simply by some social hacking. He persuaded a staff member that he was part of corporate IT and that he needed his password. Now, this is one of many stories out there which have grown exponentially in the past couple of years. In 2022, ransomware rose nearly 13%, an increase as big as the last five years combined. And ransomware was present in almost 70% of breaches just last year alone. That's according to Verizon's data breach investigation report from 2022. And according to Microsoft's new feature of work report, 80% of security professionals surveyed said that they had encountered increased security threats since the shift to remote work began. So not to be an alarmist, but if at this point an organization is not looking into their security posture, just looking at the stats should make it pretty evident that they should. It's estimated that on average, 30,000 websites are hacked every day, and a company falls victim to cyber attack every 39 seconds, and more than 60% of organizations globally have experienced at least one form of cyber attack. So I want to talk about what have been some of the not-so-evident security side effects during this transformative time of the hybrid workplace. With a sudden jump to work from home, people needed access to their files, needed to collaborate with those files and with other folks, so cloud storage usage skyrocketed. And this led to misconfigured cloud storage being heavily responsible for breaches. Gartner estimates that Through 2025, 99% of cloud security failures will be caused by misconfigurations. In one report, 80% of security professionals surveyed said they had encountered increased security threats since the shift to remote work began. And all of this has led to an elevated focus on the chief information security officer roles within organizations. 78% of security decision makers say that information security has become more of a business enabler, and 72% of security decision makers believe that CISOs are officially becoming part of the C-suite, spending more time in the boardroom. What once was considered just a problem for IT is now being considered a shared responsibility for the entire organization, and increasingly, end-user education is at the forefront. 82% of all breaches analyzed over the past year involved human error, just like the Uber story I shared earlier. To talk about this in more depth, I want to introduce our guest for today, Farshad Abbasi. Farshad is the founder and CSO of Forward Security, a Canadian company specializing in application and cloud security. Farshad and Forward Security's main focus area is the highly regulated financial sector, and I'm excited to have this conversation with Farshad to get his insight. Welcome to the Cloud Lounge, Farshad, and thank you for joining us. 
Hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So, Frashad, I want to start by asking you just a little bit of a, a flat-out question of what does the cybersecurity landscape look like in this post-pandemic world that you've kind of come to see out in the field? That's a really good question. Since uh, the pandemic started, a lot of organizations started or accelerated their digital transformation programs. If they didn't have one, they started one. If they had one, they accelerated it. And as you can imagine, a lot of people were trying to do what they did in the physical world online, such as buying groceries or accessing other services. And that resulted in a lot of applications being created, a lot of you know IT systems being stood up. And of course, another thing was that people couldn't go to their office or attend physical spaces. And that resulted in you know the shift to remote work and technologies that enabled it. So in the post-pandemic world, we have a world where there's more software than ever, and more software is being created to further digitally transform our day-to-day processes, and lots of people are working from home. The Verizon puts out a data breach report every year. It's called the Verizon's DBR, a data breach investigation report. The 2020 report came out, was closer to the end of the year. In that year, they showed that the rate, of course, breaches and cybersecurity incidents were on the rise, but the eye-opening number in there was that the number of attacks that had happened to companies whereby an application was used that had doubled since the previous year. So in the previous years, the major culprits were ransomware and malware and things like that. And those still played a big part. 57% of cybersecurity breaches came from ransomware, malware, and the traditional types of attacks, attack vectors. But surprisingly, the software or the application had doubled. And then in 2021, the year after, the Verizon Data Breach Report said that that number had even gone further to close to 90% of breaches coming from applications. Not surprising because as we said right at the beginning of this conversation is when the world is rushing to adopt digital, when they're rushing to create software to digitally transform processes, well, guess what? The more software, the more attack surface for the attackers to take advantage of, right? And the good news for the attackers is that traditionally the cybersecurity market has ignored applications. In the sense that I mean ignored is that they haven't been the focus, right? Like this traditional cybersecurity shop focuses on governance, risk compliance, infrastructure security, network security, right? Like every cybersecurity company has experts that are network security experts, network pen testers, but it's very rare that you get a cybersecurity company that understands software security, that they have developers who are actually practicing security and really understand how that stuff works and doing it justice, right? Not just taking you know a tool like Nessus, which is a common tool that's used in vulnerability scanning and running it on an application, but to truly go and digging into that, looking at a source code, looking at its design and really figuring it out. So because of that, that gap, you know, and the rise in the digital transformation that has provided the perfect environment for the attackers to thrive and take advantage of. That has been a huge thing post-pandemic. And of course, you know, the remote work, right? Because um, remote work presents all kinds of challenges. In the past, a lot of companies had a walled garden. And, you know, the only way to come in there was maybe they had a DMZ with a couple of servers that, you know, hosted some enterprise applications that were open to the outside. But, you know, when the pandemic came, a lot of companies had to quickly figure out, well, how do we offer all of our internal applications in this walled garden to our employees who are now working outside the walled garden? So those were also challenges for the organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the very interesting angle to hear the fact that, yeah, after the hybrid workplace kind of exploded, so too did the kind of digital footprint for organizations and the app they're using, which means automatically there's more exposure to kind of security vulnerabilities as well. Absolutely. 
So that's very interesting, Farshad. What are some of the main cybersecurity challenges in that hybrid workplace on top of, you know, this increased kind of footprint that you're talking about? Right, right. Yeah. So to continue on what we were saying earlier, as people, you know, started working from home or have to start work from home, companies were faced with challenges in terms of how do we provide the access to applications and data that those staff members normally had access when they were working on site. And so that was one thing is, you know, do we do VPN? Do we do some sort of application, you know, gateway services? Or how do we deliver those applications to wherever our employees happen to be and do so securely? And then also devices, right? Because a lot of companies I worked at, when you went to the office, there was a computer there that you used, right? Now, what do they do? Do they let you take your computer home? Okay, that's one option. Or do they let you use your home computer or your existing computer? So either they give you one, which would be a cost to the company, or if they let you use your own, you might not have the right security posture on that home device that meets the enterprise requirements. And then the second challenge is that a lot of people working from home, they may not be working in a secure environment. By that, I mean that, you know, most of us, you know, probably a lot of us on this uh, call right now have home, you know, Linksys or D-Link Wi-Fi switch and routers, right? And often there's only a single subnet. So, and then in that subnet, if you have a family, there's, you know, your partner and your children and whoever else is living in that household, they have computers and their computers may not have the same level of security. So for example, imagine that your kid is at home with their computer. There's not a lot of protection on that computer and they're free to go and download whatever they want from the internet and run whatever they want, right? And then that computer gets malware and it's on the same subnetwork as the computer you're using for work. And that computer you're using for work is not one that the company gave you, it's one that you got. And maybe you don't have anti-malware or maybe you haven't been updating it or patching it because there's no policies. And then the attacker takes advantage of that and pivots from your kid's computer to your computer, exploiting your machine because it's not been updated and it's vulnerable. So then from there, they can pivot into the rest of the enterprise because guess what? Your computer more likely will have either access to the VPN that puts that person right into the heart of the company. Or if you don't have VPN, you're probably using some sort of an application, you know, service, you know, Citrix or half a dozen other systems that are like that, that let you access corporate applications remotely. Chances are you've probably logged in you may not have 2FA and uh, the attacker, once they're inside your machine, they can pivot and use the logged in application on your computer and access those corporate applications. So those are all concerns for companies. Now, larger companies, they provision tools for BYOD folks. So they have tools that they'll say, yeah, sure, you know, if you want to bring your own machine, that's fine, but you have to install the following tools. And then those tools, you know, put defenses on that computer that prevent some of those scenarios. Or if they're using VPN, they'll set it up in such a way that all of the traffic for that user goes through the corporate firewall and it gets scrubbed and analyzed before it's allowed to go to the internet, rather than allowing something like split tunneling, where the machine is able to talk to the corporate environment and at the same time freely talk to the internet from the same device, which provides a pathway for the attacker to call home and pivot from there and also access the corporate internet. Whereas if you eliminate that possibility, then you know you further reduce the attack surface. So there's a lot of things that organizations need to consider, and not every company has the resources or the support to do so, right? If you're a small and medium enterprise, chances are you probably don't have anyone that owns security on staff, right? You know, there are clients that we have that are up to three, 400 people large, and they have one security professional on staff. So, you know, how do you expect a 50 person company to have any security expertise? And so then they try to do this on their own. They don't really have the full visibility in terms of what all the threats are. And then they don't implement everything or they implement some things partially, and then they get compromised. And then they get, like I said, that the most important thing is how the staff are accessing the company data from home. And particularly if it's development or IT staff, and a lot of development staff have 
access and keys to a lot of environments. So if their computer is compromised, you know, they may have access to, heaven forbid, to production environment, which they shouldn't, but they might have access to environments where the attackers could pivot to and compromise the company. Absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head, especially for organizations that say don't have a very mature security practice or, you know, or kind of on a shoestring budget. when it comes to security, for example, there's a lot to focus on, right? It can be a little overwhelming. You already mentioned vulnerable apps, vulnerable networks as a good area to focus on. Are there any other kind of general security areas that you feel like it's a good starting point for an organization to start to focus in the security space? Yeah, absolutely. And like a good place to do it is a systematically approaching this issue. So the Center for Information Security has a, I guess I wouldn't call it a standard. They have a framework that's called the Critical Security Controls, the CIS Critical Security Controls, and they're 18 categories. So the sort of broadly defined controls. Number one is inventory of assets, and then it's inventory of software assets. Three is data protection. Four is related to secure configuration. Five is account management. Then we go to access control, vulnerability management, you know, log management, email and browser protection, malware, data recovery, infrastructure, monitoring, security awareness, managing your third-party providers, application security if you have software, and then the final two are incident response and pen testing. So if the companies take that simple list of 18 items and have a review, do these all apply to me, right? Maybe application security doesn't apply to you because you don't have any software, which is hard these days, right? But once you've kind of done that and then ask yourself a high level question, how am I doing across each of these areas? Like, what am I doing today? The Center for Information Security, CIS, does provide a free version of this framework. And each of those 18 categories are further broken into individual sub-controls. So if the company wants to do a self-assessment, they could leverage that and go through each of those more granularly and answer the questions. And then that self-assessment would be a really good exercise to figure out where you stand, right? You could go and hire a company to go and perform a security posture assessment for you based on this framework, which would, may not be a bad idea as a next step. But I think as an immediate step, leveraging this and answering those questions to see where you stand. The Canadian government has also put out a similar framework as the baseline cybersecurity controls for small and medium businesses. You know, they put that advice, uh, the guidance in 2019. And I guess it was in request to a lot of Canadian companies that were asking the government, hey, Canadian government, I'm a small Canadian company, I'm a medium medium-sized Canadian company, what should I do about cybersecurity? So that's where this baseline cybersecurity controls for small and medium-sized organizations framework was introduced. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I think using that framework as a starting point, a great piece of advice, at least to start to get folks thinking about a format in which to start to actually approach this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think a structured conversation is really important. And in that critical security controls in the CIS one, they say out of those 18 categories, there are a few of them that are considered like basic hygiene. So it's like, okay, you know, out of the 18, at least focus on that small subset and then, you know, like go through the whole, but my recommendation was that the, the companies at least ask themselves the questions around each of those categories and do that self-assessment. It'll be really good awareness. And then they'll know what's important to them because it's difficult for me to say everyone should focus on X, Y, Z. A certain company might already be mature in that area. If you want the sort of the brush stroke, like what are the most important things that any company should focus on? It'd usually be anything related to authentication and access control or identity access management, right? Because for the attackers to start their attack, they have to get through the front door 
somewhere. And that front door is often bypassing some sort of authentication. So, you know, that would be really important. I know prior to starting the forward security where I, I'm currently the founder and chief security officer, I was the head of IT security for HSBC Bank Canada, and I was the principal architect for the global bank. And we got, all, you know, all the financial regulators came to us and we had to really tighten up our privileged access management and how we handle multi-factor authentication. In fact, those were like the top things that were given to us. If you're going to focus on anything, focus on implementing multi-factor authentication and make sure you know how many privileged accounts you have and they're under control and there's visibility in terms of who's using them and when. And that would be also my recommendation to companies that are listening to this podcast. Got it. Okay, perfect. Perfect. And a bit of a loaded question. I, I know this can be, but in your kind of experience and what you're seeing in the horizon, kind of what is next for enterprise security? What's coming down the pipe here? I mean, the answer is not obvious. <laughs> it's AI, of course. I mean, joking aside, I think uh, artificial intelligence is going to make a huge difference. We've already seen the use of like big data and machine learning in enterprise security with certain products that analyze large amounts of data set, but whether it's network traffic or whether it's application behavior, and based on those large data sets, they try to determine whether some activity is as malicious or not. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I'm excited about not going just beyond using large data sets and just focusing on ML and going into more AI applied aspects of this and, and really fully leveraging AI and trying to figure out what is a false positive. You know, as we all know, who worked in security, a lot of tools that are either alerting tools or some sort of a scanning tool, they tend to produce false positives. And one of the biggest complaints from people that use those tools is often we get false positive fatigue. I mean, one of the biggest exciting things would be for AI to solve those problems, to be able to make conclusions based on what it observes over what has been trained or large sets of data and things like that. So I think that's where I see things going. And, and like, again, they have been going in that direction, but I see more of it. I mean, you know, and, and of course, you know, there are always going to be more tools. There's always going to be more vendors, you know, bringing the latest cutting edge gadgets. And in fact, our own company, we're building a tool as well. It's for software security and it helps, you know, developers correlate and aggregate all the issues that come from different sources, whether it's manual or automated tools. And so those, there's going to be more advances in tools that help people build more secure software. But I think all of those, no matter what domain they're working in, I think AI will have a big part of it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. At the end of the day, the name of the game is AI for everything and all aspects of <laughs> yeah. IT right now. So not surprising that cybersecurity is right in line. We just got to make sure, you know, it doesn't become Terminator kind of thing. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That should be uh, everybody's goal. You know, Farshad, you've given some great advice here using that security framework as a starting point and really kind of, you know, where some of those vulnerabilities may lie as well within an organization. But in closing here, if somebody's listening to this and really, you know, they hit stop on their podcast player, what would be your advice of just some kind of immediate next steps a, a person can take to kind of start to kind of get their mind thinking around the security space and, and get their organization at a point where it's moving towards more of a kind of a security or improving their security posture within the organization. If I were to give that three things, three immediate actions, number one, go and put 2FA on everything you can. And ideally don't use SMS for 2FA, try to use an authenticator app or whatever else, something that is not email or SMS. 
they're not the most secure technologies. So that'd be my number one, like do that right after this podcast, whenever you can go and put 2FA on everything. The second one would be to make sure that your networks are segmented and they can fail property. And what I mean by that is that, let's face it, everyone's gonna fail at some point. Security will fail, it's never 100%. No one should ever say I've secured the system 100%. So let's be prepared for that failure. I think Bruce Schneier said it years ago, he said that the best, most secure system is the one that fails. When it fails, it, the blast radius is contained. So you know if you've designed it that way, so when someone does get into an environment, because it will happen at some point, you reduce how much they can access. So segmenting your network, segmenting your data, segmenting as much as possible so that they can't go from there and access everything else, right? And then, of course, uh, you know, making sure that you're training your staff members. That's really, really, really important. No matter how much you spend on technology, firewalls, antivirus, all that kind of stuff, one mistake from one of your staff, and it could be me, I've been very close to falling for a phishing scam, and, and it can happen to any of us. So really making sure that your staff is trained and security is top of mind are probably is probably uh, in the top three most important things that you could do. Beautiful. Well, that's been super enlightening, Farshad. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your thoughts and your experience here. And thank you so much for joining us at the Cloud Lounge podcast. My pleasure. So folks, I believe just like we have the responsibility to keep our material items, families, and ourselves safe, we all have a responsibility in keeping our data and our organization's data safe and secure. It's interesting to examine the security trends and see what the small steps we can take by learning from our mistakes. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, I would like to thank Farshad and his thoughts on this topic. Folks, this has been the Cloud Lounge. Until next time, take care. Take care.